Peace and blessings, family. This is your girl, Ja Rain, a.k.a. Rev Rain. Welcome to Holy Algorithm. So we are back again. And um, thanks for folks who have been tuning in and sharing the new podcast with your friends and family. Much appreciated. I look forward to stopping by once a week and just giving you my two cents, if you will. So anyway, this uh, podcast is tentatively called The Broken Parts. And I think, what was the inspiration? I think the inspiration was um, having a couple of conversations with clients who have shared how difficult it is to address pain and suffering and sort of feeling like, you know what, I just want to focus on some good stuff. I just want to focus on the positive. And um, hearing that in different contexts, what I realize is that, at least in America, there seems to be a disconnect with uh, what I'll call the energy of a lamentation. So what does that mean? What that means is that we are so used to being distracted, so used to being occupied, so used to um, not wanting to deal, right? So we put our attention everywhere, but on the hurt. And so what I thought was, why might that be? And so sometimes the reason we don't look at a thing is because it's like, what's the point of looking? I don't know what to do once I look, right? So, I mean, I get that whole perspective of um, not focusing your attention on things that you can't address, things that you can't change, right? And so, you know, having had this conversation a few times, I was like, okay, so instead of like, living in ignorance, maybe it's about finding tools, finding um, ways to address, or even just being able to look at it, like getting some some resources to even look at things. Because that's the thing that I get a lot, um, talking with folk, working with folk, having been a chaplain, um, and even professionally, you know, sometimes you ask people, like, what's the deal? And they just really don't know. Um, you know, you ask them, why are you anxious? And they go, I don't know, I just am. Or why am, uh, am I feeling depressed? I don't know, right? So the I don't know seems to be huge, especially um, in this day and age, right? We just feel like we're being overwhelmed with stuff and stuff is coming up and we just don't know why or how to heal it. So let's let's get to some working, right? Because if this is all about a holy algorithm, then what that means is that there's supposedly something within us that if we're pointed in the right direction, we can we can work it out, right? So the first thing that I wanna address, um, because it feels like when I talk to people and talk about stuff like epigenetics um, or intergenerational trauma, you know, they kind of look at me like a deer in the headlights, like, what are you talking about? So 
I really want to stress that the beautiful part about living in 2019 versus 1919 is that there is a lot of scientific advancement and there's things that we know that we didn't know before. And so there are awarenesses that can change things. So the first thing I want to talk about in terms of addressing brokenness um, or woundedness or um, just stuff that needs to be dealt with is that I think we often forget about the genetic part, right? And so what does that mean? So what that means is that, you know, Ja Rain in 2019 could be experiencing things, right? Could be feeling things, could be, um, in my feelings, right, about things to a point where they prevent me from handling my business. And the first thing I'm gonna wanna do is just look at, well, what happened? Who said what? Um, Why am I feeling that way? Did something happen? And what I might fail to do is think about my own genetic familial history. So what that means is that in my DNA today, Even though I'm living in 2019, I also have the pain, the suffering, the wound, the trauma of generations that came before me. So part of my healing is gonna be spiritual in terms of reconnecting with my ancestors and knowing their stories, like, you know, tapping into what experiences my mother may have told me about her life, right? Because it's in my DNA. I might have to ask um, family members, you know, tell me about grandma's life. Or if I'm lucky enough to have grandma around, like ask grandma, tell me what your life was like. You know, what pains did you have? What um, dramas did you experience? What tragedies did you see? And the reason I want to know is not just because I'm being nosy or inquisitive, is because that is also in my DNA. Because whatever happened to grandma affected her genetic code, and that changed my mother's genetic code, and that's affected my genetic code. So essentially, if I wake up and I'm just depressed, and I go, but damn, nothing happened. Nothing happened to me to make me depressed. Part of what I'm not paying attention to is how was the genetic code of my ancestors affected? Maybe there's some depression or some anxiety or some sadness or whatever the other mental, emotional uh, stuff that can occur. Like that might just be in my genetic code. So nothing has to happen for me to wake up and be feeling away. So you need to look at family stories if you want to be empowered genetically. You also have to look at the environments that um, the ancestors lived in, right? Because whatever our ancestors experienced in their environments may have shifted their genetic material. So all of those things impact me genetically that might be adding to what feels broken within me. Okay. So the other thing that I think if we are all about being with and shifting this algorithm is what additional experiences may add to my suffering. 
may add to what feels like it's not working for me. So, you know, in, in the Omo house fashion, I'm just gonna go through a couple of different things. So the first thing I think we need to look at is education. Because conceptually, education is supposed to make life better, right? It's supposed to expand us and transform us and help us engage in the world in a uh, more empowering way. But one of the things that I think we also have to look at is that education is also a way in which, you know what I like to call it, the empire or um, political structures pass on um, the misinformation or pass on the constructs that they want us living into. So, for example, one of the things that I think is huge is there's a big conversation now about why are we telling uh, young people to go to college, right? Because ultimately what that does is make sure they end up with lots of debt, AKA student loans. So people are saying, you know, why don't we emphasize trade schools or vocations or, you know, what they used to call blue collar work? Like, why are we not saying that that is a valid form of education? So what that says to me is that whether you're talking academic or vocation, this idea of what you need to um, give your life over to is part of an educational design system, right? It's not the truth, it's not the um, correct way, the right way. It's just a belief system that is part of the culture that we live in. So depending on what you were taught about education, that could actually add on to you feeling uh, low self-esteem or um, a sense of inadequacy, right? Because think about it. If you live in a culture that says you are only valuable if you have uh, a bachelor's degree or some sort of accreditation or some sort of training, right? So if you don't have that, you could actually sit around every day going, something is wrong with me. I'm not really worthy because I never um, fulfilled on that. I never got that thing that the culture says I'm supposed to have to be valuable, right? And so in other words, your identity um, is impacted because of your culture's conversation about education. So see if the thoughts about education or lack thereof is impacting how you feel about yourself and making you feel less than. Next, roles, R-O-L-E-S, right? The roles that have been assigned in our culture could either empower you or make you feel less than. And to be honest with you, when I look around as a person who studies social constructions, um, I truly do believe that there are so many roles that are forced upon us that I'm not surprised that um, more of us are not feeling um, less than broken, um, inadequate, right? Because almost everything has some sort of role attached to it. Gender expectations, Um, You know, I'm looking at 
um, you know, how people go crazy if, you know, a man wears a dress, right? That's a gender expectation. And I think we're correct in saying that, you know, um, we live in a culture that says if a masculine identified woman or a feminine identified man um, is expressing themselves, we see the outrage, right? So we've got to look at what the gender expectations are because as I look at it, you know, sometimes I laugh when people say, well, oh yeah, that brother, he shouldn't have had no dress on because he he's emasculating black men. And it's interesting because what I say is, do you get that before we... Um, encountered the European, you know, we didn't dress this way, right? Um, and then even if I'm talking to some European brothers and sisters, it's like, you, you do get that Scottish men wear kilts, right? AKA um, a, a nice little skirt. So the reality is that every culture has um, a role expectation, but you have to ask yourself, do you live in a culture where you are free to break the role, um, redefine the role for yourself, um, queer it up, if you will, right? Because the truth is, unless you are given permission to express your identity fully in, in ways that feel good to you, ultimately that's going to add on to um, breaking you down, right? So adding to the broken parts. I also think when we talk about um, race, there are many roles that we need to look at in, in terms of healing. Uh, what is, um, you know, if we're looking at what is human, then when we start looking at the stereotypes that this um, race does this, or this race doesn't do that, or you know, if you're going to be part of the race, you got to do that, you know, and it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a positive uh, role expectation or a negative role expectation. At the end of the day, it's still an expectation. And so if you are expected to live into a role, doesn't matter if it's positive or not. Um, that expectation in and of itself can lead you to feeling the weight of that expectation. And then, you know, uh, I would say even how we define sexuality, this whole binary man, woman, um, you know, is very limiting. I think what I love about studying indigenous cultures is that if you look at the fluidity and the spectrum of expression, what you realize is there was more than the binary, more than the left, right, you know. Um, and so this fluidity that we're seeing now, which I think, you know, a lot of people are like, what the heck? You know, how many LGBTQITS, you know, he, she, you know, I get it. It feels overwhelming. But what it does is speak to um, human beings uh, individually experience life. And so how you express what you've experienced makes you not cookie cutter, right? So even if you are born genetically what we call male, that doesn't mean that you have to fit into 
um, this culture's definition of masculinity. It doesn't mean that um, in order for you to be um, whole, you have to fit into the patriarchal, heteronormative, masculine. Like it doesn't mean that. And I think what the shift is doing is allowing people to break out of those role expectations, right? So um, the other thing that I think that we have to look at is our own personal um, hurts, right? Sometimes we, uh, we are told, you know, move on, get over it. Um, you know, don't give it too much power. But the truth is, as long as we deny our own personal experiences, it doesn't allow us to heal. It doesn't allow us to um, give some aid to the broken parts. And so I guess the next part of my conversation is like, what can we do to begin a healing? So I think um, I may have touched on it as I've been talking, but I think the first thing is that, you know, we have to begin to focus uh, internally. You know, even if the world says, get over it, um, let yourself feel it and then move on, uh, that is sort of dismissive of your life experience. So there is something very beautiful about reflecting and looking at your life and saying, what is it that hurts? Um, what are the areas in my life that I need healing, right? So, um, you know, we have to go in in order to do that. We can't just allow ourselves to be distracted, um, to have a big old full life where we never stop and go, what is it that I need to look at, right? Uh, the other thing that I think is compassion is sort of like a powerful healing bomb. And so one of the things that I notice is it's very hard for us to have compassion for not just ourselves, but other people. Compassion is a sort of tenderness and a gentleness um, that I don't know, for some reason we, we find it weak, right? Like I listen to people and when you have conversations that equal compassion, some of the feedback that I get like, yo, I ain't soft, I'm not gonna do that. Or, oh no, nah, I'm not giving that person that cause then they gonna play me, right? Um, there's a little bit of, maybe not a little bit, there's, there's some harshness and hardness uh, in our culture. And so there's something very powerful of, about saying, listen, I'm just going to practice compassion as a way of life. I'm just going to integrate that. So when somebody um, says something to me, I'm practicing compassion. When I look at my own pain and suffering, I'm going to practice compassion. So I would say that is definitely one of the things that we need to do. Uh, the other thing, too, is, you know, the word intimacy, I think, gets lost a lot. You know, a lot of us think it means, you know, being sexual with someone else. Um, but intimacy really is a very healing space because it really is a place where you are trusting and you are honoring and you are gentle and you are not in protect mode and you are um, allowing yourself to be vulnerable. And so for me, you know, if life is sort of like an energy, 
intimacy is a very healing energy because, you know, it infers that, you know, whether you're with yourself or someone else, you're safe. Um, whether it's intimacy with yourself or someone else, it is a trusting that you will um, be okay, that you are protected. And whether you're saying you're protected from a divine source or you're protected because you trust your own internal um you know, barometer, right? You just feel okay, right? Being that way um, with yourself and with someone else. So I think that's important. I think the other thing that allows us to heal what is aching is this idea of presence. And um, presence is deep because you know, there's no way you can practice presence if you're distracted. There's no way you can practice presence if you are fearful. There's no way you can practice presence if you are uh, lacking trust. There's no way that you can practice presence if you are in protect mode, right? So presence is sort of being, full beingness, full showing up, full trusting, full healing mode, right? And so it's sort of connected with, you know, all the other stuff that I said um, before it. And then I think what that leads to is because you are not distracted and you are present and you are focused and you're trusting and you're honoring and you're internal and all that, this leads to this concept of wholeness, right? And so interestingly enough, I remember um, years ago when I was talking to someone and we were talking about integrity, right? Like the person did something because they lacked integrity or that person doesn't do that because they have integrity. And literally what I found out is that this word integrity, right? Which we all think people who have integrity um, just move through life differently. The word integrity actually um, speaks to wholeness. So part of addressing the hurting parts, the broken parts, is living in this space of wholeness. And so I sort of think of it like if if our body was energy, right? A lot of brokenness would look like holes, like bullet wounds or um, big old gaping holes in the energy. And so what wholeness speaks to is um, looking at whatever it is that you've encountered or you've experienced or being present to the genetic legacy, it's saying, how do I fill those holes? And, you know, my personal belief is that the only thing that can fill those holes is love and compassion and tenderness and intimacy, right? It's the same vibrational frequency that is required to fill the hole. So homeless is one of those things that just helps fill um, what's missing. And so the last thing that I would probably add is, you know, what gets you to that space where you can be internally focused and practicing compassion and intimacy and vulnerability and presence and wholeness. Uh, I think for me, it starts with self-care. And, you know, I know that's the buzzword, everybody's self-care, but what does that look like? And I think I've said this before, I don't think it's a one size fit all. You know, what's self-care for me 
probably is not going to be self-care for you, but that's about being present to yourself and internally focused, right? So if you're sitting around and you're looking and you're discerning and you are um, journeying within, you're going to find out, yo, this feels like self-care to me, right? And so, um, you know, for some people, it might be, you know, allowing yourself to experience the epitome of tenderness. For somebody else, it might be beating the hell out of a boxing bag, right? So, you know, you have to um, intentionally be a yes to yourself. To me, that's what self-care is. It's pausing, it's looking deeply, it's saying, what is a yes for me? What is a healing for me? What is a self-love for me? What is an honoring for me? And that essentially, before you know it, will address what is hurting, what is ailing, what feels broken. Because brokenness, you know, I think spiritually is sort of an illusion, right? Because if we are born whole, perfect and complete in the essential spiritual way, then the truth is it's stuff that's going to be happening in life that eats away at that. And yes, it might have been, you know, eating for multiple generations, but here and now I'm accountable to heal that. So I got to look and say, you know, where's my energy leaking out? Where am I fearful? Where am I, um, not living my best life? Where am I not empowered? Where am I not loving myself? Where am I being unkind to me, right? And so once you heal those broken parts, you know, the icing on the cake is then you begin to reflect that externally, right? Because the truth is I'm only unkind to you because I'm unkind to me, right? So, you know, that allows for an added level of compassion because when I see you acting up and I don't want to have compassion um, for you, I can pause and say, oh, you're only acting that way because that's how you feel about your own self. And I'm just being the person who, you know, bears the brunt of it in this moment, but it really ain't even about me. You know, you're treating me the way you feel about yourself right? And so it's a beautiful um, benefit package for yourself and the world if you begin to look at the broken part, right? It it changes how we be in the world um, once we start looking at the broken parts. Anyway, that's all I got. Uh, Thank you so much. And if you are finding value in Holy Algorithm and uh, you think uh, you got a friend or two might Uh, dig what's going on up in here please do share and repost and you know tell a friend to tell a friend so peace love and light and I will be with you sooner than later peace